please join with me in our responsive call to worship that you'll find in your bulletins. God created all the races and nations of the world, willing us all to live together in peace and with love. God created us to be one family, that there could be strife in our human family. At times injustice can abound, and there are many times when we do not live as one. God calls us to let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. May we continue to be determined to change what we can. May we have the courage to accept what we cannot change. And above all, may we be wise enough to know the difference. Let us worship God together, and may we live so that love, justice, and peace may be for all. Amen. Please join with me in prayer. God of all races and nations, we give thanks to you for all your faithful people who have done and are striving to do your will and accomplish your justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you. Today, we especially give you thanks for your servant, Martin Luther King Jr., and we thank you for giving him the gifts of courage and conviction that continue to inspire us today for his passion for peace, and for his tireless quest of helping to build a nation that keeps faith with its promises, we give you thanks. For all those who spoke out and continue to speak out against racism and sexism and ageism and all other isms, we give you thanks. For those who stood and continue to stand on the front lines, and for those who first integrated schools, who sat on buses and refused to move, who sat in restaurants and tolerated food being thrown at them, we give you thanks. And for the nameless and countless tens of thousands who suffered under slavery, we grieve for them, and we promise to behave in our own lives in such a way that we'll never bring those times back around. And with your spirit, blessing, and inspiring and challenging us all, we gather here today to worship you, God, to turn our lives and our minds over to you. We ask that you be with each one of us as you guide and as we examine our lives, our beliefs, our words, and our actions. And in so doing, may we act as your light and your love shining through us. And in this way, may the forgiveness and peace of your son, Jesus Christ, fill our hearts. All this we pray as he leads us now in prayer, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship here at Southport Congregational Church. Wherever you are on your faith journey, wherever you have come from, you are welcome here, and we are so happy to have you. If you could please take the friendship registers found on the outside aisles of your pews, sign your name, um, let us know you're here, write us a note. If you're new and visiting us, feel free to give us your uh, contact information because we would love to reach out to you to talk more about our church. So we have a number of exciting things happening um, this week. First, fellowship hour following worship, so please come join us. I know for some that's a stress factor, so um, this is the day to make it to fellowship hour. Um, and then following that, you after you grab a quick drink and something to eat, you can go into the library where you will meet Dave Stewart and Julianne Center, both students at Young Divinity School and over Newton, um, which is really fun. And they are going to be doing a little bit of um, YDS to SCC. So they're going to share with you some of the fascinating things that they have learned in seminary. Um, so it should be just a really fun discussion uh, and a time to learn a little bit this week about the Gospel of Mark. Um, also coming up this week, if you would like to learn some skills on how to talk to your children about difficult subjects, uh, we are joining with Inspire, which is an organization that we support. Uh, lots of Church members have danced to um, danced uh, to raise money for them. Um, they are doing a parenting workshop for us, our, our church only, and your friends if you'd like to invite anyone. It's a series of five meetings, 90 minutes each, and they begin this Thursday evening. Um, it, there's a somewhat large article about it in your bulletin. If you'd like to attend, you just need to shoot an email to Nancy Billington who um, is the director uh, of, um, of Inspire. Also, don't miss this. Next Saturday night, it's trivia night here at SCC. I have written up some very fabulous, last year I got a lot of complaints. Oh, it's too hard. That's the point of trivia, people. It's supposed to be a little hard. But all right, I took it down a little level so all you can feel good, you'll all get a ribbon. Actually, you'll all get pizza, um, but it's a really fun night, and um, we would love to have you, so if you can join us, uh, please let the office know, or you can simply RSVP by Venmoing us uh, right now. Now is a good time. Take out your phone and say, yes, Laura, I'm going to come to Trivia Night. Uh, our stewardship campaign, stewardship campaign is up and running. We're at about 71% of our goal for this year. So if you haven't yet had the opportunity to make your pledge, we would love to have that all wrapped up as soon as we can. And specifically by our annual meeting, the 180th annual meeting of this church will take place um, uh, uh, the last Sunday in February, February 26th. Um, so uh, that is the time in which we base our budget uh, determined on how our stewardship campaign went. So it's really important for you to get that in if you know you're going to be able to pledge. 
Also, our office is going to be closed tomorrow in celebration of Martin Luther King Day. And then to wrap up this fabulous uh, morning of announcements, I would like to welcome to uh, the lectern, Julianne Center. Good morning. It's so good to be back with you all. Um, this is just something of a personal announcement to say that among you in the pews today is a man who has made me a very happy woman by asking me a very big question. Um, he has gone by many names by members in this congregation. Boy, uh, the big guy, Jesus-like, <laughs> your friend, our friend, um, promising young suitor, guy with the long hair. I have traditionally called him Augustine or Gus but I now call him my fiance. <laughs> and so he will be here to um, shake your hand. I hope you can introduce yourself to him at fellowship hour, give him advice, tell him how lucky he is, tell him, <laughs> tell him where the back exit is so that he can run any of those are, are properly in order. Um, and thank you so much for being a community and a family with whom I can share such wonderful and life-giving news. So thank you all. <laughs> so many weddings, it's so exciting. <laughs> all right, at this time, I welcome any children in the uh, church. Come on forward and join me. Good morning, everyone. Now, you, you did your job. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. All right. I have something to share with you today. Do any of you have a collection? Something that you collect items of? What's your collection of like? Sneakers. Interesting. What's your collection? So did our daughter, big rock collecting. Rocks also, you guys should compare. T-shirts, T-shirts? Seashells, sorry, my, my bad. Ah, Pokemon cards. Oh, Rubik's cubes of any sort. Our children, through Mr. Whitmore and I, because we kind of fell in love with them first, we collected these, do you know what these are? No, oh my God, the generation gap is huge. What are these people? Beanie Babies. These were the big collectible in the 1980s. Which I'm just realizing was like 40 years ago. <laughs> 40, <laughs> yeah. I just need to walk away now. Let's go to church school. Now I call them T.Y. toys because like 
Ah, yes, because they all have their, their um, tags on them. They're worth more money if they have their tags on them. All right, I have two favorites I need you to help me with. You can, um, here, uh, William, why don't you find Claude the Crab, all right? And Crawford, why don't you find Pincer's Lobster? Go ahead, search, find them in there. So the reason that they're my favorite is I grew up in Maine, and when I grew up, I had a lobstering boat, and I had, I went lobstering. There's Claude, thanks Claude. Um, and I'd go lobstering, and when you catch lobsters, a bonus is, whoops, you catch crabs. What's the matter? That's a chicken. What's the matter? Oh no. Is it lost? You guys. This is a really bad children's sermon. All right. Look, I know I had it when I came in here. Let's look. Look, look for pincers lobsters. Look around. Look around. Everyone look. Look, 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 look. Look. Look high, look low. Someone, uh, Lily, go look where I was sitting. Someone go look um, up here where I was talking. Oh no. Oh my goodness, Lily, you're a gem. The lost has been found. This is Pincers the Lobster. That is not. So, phew, I'm so glad the lost has been found. Which weirdly reminds me of a story that Jesus told. What, what's the, what are the chances of that? Slim. <laughs> Slim. So Jesus told this great story. He said, suppose you have 100 sheep and you lost one of them. Wouldn't you leave the 99 who were safe and go to search for the one? And when you found that lost sheep, wouldn't you joyfully put it on your shoulders and carry it back home? And wouldn't you tell your friends how happy you were finding that sheep? That's the story that Jesus asked us. What do you think? What would your answer be? Um, yeah. What about the other 99? Well, the, the 99, he clearly says, thankfully, that they're safe. The 99 are safe. The one is lost. So he goes out to find the one, right? Why, what do you think that story is about? Why would he tell that story? Who are the 99 sheep? What do you think? The what? The what? Oh, give a guess. Nobody else is saying anything. Throw yourself out there. Uh, not the toys. Close, though. You're looking at a big collection. That's good. What do you think? What was he talking about? 99 was a symbol of what? Us, the faithful people. Excellent. Always come through with those you old kids. That's what happens when you come to church though every day. You get it. The, um, the 99 represent all of those people who love God. And who is the one lost sheep? What do you think? Maybe the person who doesn't believe. What else could it be? Someone who just made a sin. Someone who did something wrong. Right? And Jesus is saying, look, the 99 faithful are great. But I've got to go for the one who needs my help. And so do you. 
Each one of you has to go to the people who need our help, the ones who maybe have done something wrong. Anyone here ever done something wrong? Mm. Right? Sometimes we are the lost sheep, right? And how awesome is it to know that when we're the lost sheep, God is still looking for us, and God still wants us to come back? How amazing is that? Right? We call that being what? Forgiven. Right? We call that being forgiven. And that is the greatest gift that Jesus gave us. That Jesus came to us to say, hey, look, God understands that we do things wrong every once in a while. And God will be there looking for you, just like you looked for pincers, and just like Jesus talked about looking for the sheep. All right? So let's say a prayer. Dear God, for always looking for us when we do something wrong or when we go astray. Help us to be diligent in our love for you so that we can serve this world with joy and kindness and love. Amen. All right, church school, if you're K through five, wait, don't go yet, because I'm going to need help cleaning up my Beanie Babies. K through five, going to the chapel. Preschool and under, going to room five. Six, seven, and eight, going to the youth room. So first, everybody pick up a Beanie Baby, throw it in my bag. Thank you so much.
And now it's time for us to settle into a time of prayer and contemplation. And as we do so, I ask you to keep the following people in your minds and hearts and spirits. First, for the entire Malkin family, especially Andrew Malkin, um, as his father, Dick Malkin, has entered hospice. We offer prayers of healing and peace and comfort during this time. Um, for Juliana Smith, who is here, who has a fractured elbow and a surgery upcoming this week, we offer prayers of healing and support and love. For Nate Rex, who had a spinal surgery to fix a, dick comp uh, a disc compression, um, we offer prayers of healing and support and resilience. We continue to offer prayers for Eleanor Biggs, who is healing from some back pain. As she continues to be on the mend, we send our love and our faith. And we also send our prayers to Susan Kunkel, who is facing a surgery um, that will be scheduled this week. So we offer prayers of support as we know that she continues to be working so hard in the carousel for this church. We also offer prayers for Allison Battis as her family and her entire family following the death of her mother. Um, and so we pray for peace and healing in this time of grief and mourning. And finally, as always, we offer prayers for those who live with mental illness, especially during these cold, short days. We offer prayers to uplift and support our neighbors. And finally, a prayer for peace, for justice, for the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. and all those who have fought for civil rights, for freedom, for equity, for all those um, in our nation and around the world. We offer the prayers. Now we take our prayers to the Lord, praying, living God, we are so grateful to be here. We are so grateful that you are here with us, that you meet us on a Sunday morning like every other, and open us up to the unknown, to the new, to the miraculous folded into the everyday. And we pray, Lord, that as we live each day, you be in our sight. We pray that you help us to see Christ in the faces of those who are made in your image. Those who bear stories not unlike those prophets in the Bible, faces such as a man crouched down on the side of the road, trying to stay warm in the cold. A young woman who has just been told she is bearing what might become another life. The crowds who have just seen a miracle unfold in the form of a healing in the everyday of people who face unprecedented dangers to put their lives on the line for peace, for justice, for equality, for civil rights. We pray, Lord, that you, let, that you open our eyes to see all those around us for what they are, examples of the sacred birthed out into the daily, the mundane mystery that is uncontained by metaphor, by pages bound in leather or paper, for yours, God, is an ever-flowing pen, which writes as we speak, and even and especially when we do not. So too, Lord, may you be in our hearing. Help us to hear your voice amidst and within all of the noise, the calls and webinars, the newscasts and sirens and Spotify playlists, 
the crying of babies and adults alike, the cries of those who cry out for justice. And more than here, Lord, we pray that you help us to listen. May you guide us to discern your voice, your will for our lives, your vision for our world, your heart for the community of souls we know and do not. We, guide, we pray that you guide us to lean in close, to be quiet, to settle into that still small voice that whispers, I am. I am and so you are. And then Lord, being in our sight, being in our hearing, may you be in our touch. Guide our hands and our feet towards where we, your body, are needed most. Where there is hurt, let us heal. Where there is dirt, let us clean. And where there is inequity, poverty, prejudice, pain, injustice, any of those sins to which we have been blind or deaf before, we pray that you guide us to open our hearts, open our minds, open our spirits, so that we may be your eyes, be your ears, be your body in Christ, a role to which you have already ordained us. May we be, Lord, because you are whole and holy, held by your grace, and by the love incarnate in whose name we pray. Amen.
as we transition into our time of giving, this is, of course, the weekend on which we honor the life and legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. and of all those who put their lives and their legacies, their security and their jobs on the line for justice, to fight the inequality of the status quo and to push for a new hope. And one thing that maybe we don't talk about as much as we do was the importance of churches in the civil rights movement, that many of those people who put their lives on the line gathered in church buildings to discuss new hope, to rally, to organize. And so we, as a church, owe our legacy to that. They were inspired by, in many ways, Christian teachings. And one of Martin Luther King Jr.'s great spiritual teachers was a man and leader and spiritual thinker by the name of Howard Thurman. And he said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes your soul come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. I love this quote. And it is a reminder that when we give, that when we do missions work, that when we pray for justice, we shouldn't do it because we feel that we should. We should do it because it makes our soul come alive. And so as we look into this time of generosity, I ask you to consider what makes your soul come alive. And then as Howard Thurman writes, to go do it, to go give it, so that we may be a part of that unfolding narrative. Thank you so much for your generosity. The instructions for how to give are in your bulletin or on your screen. And we just pray that they go to do the work that, that God has ordained us to do. So I now invite you into our time of giving.
please join with me in the unison prayer of dedication. May you receive and bless these gifts, O God, as expressions of our gratitude, loving devotion, and our commitment to do your will. One step closer to bringing your love, justice, and help to all people on earth. Amen. Is part two of our two-part series of living good, better, best. And uh, scripture this morning leads us to this place. And it's the same passage we shared last week about, about an encounter between Jesus and a man named Zacchaeus. And there are a couple of helpful things for us to be aware of before we read this together, some of which I shared last week. And the first of these things is that uh, Zacchaeus is identified as a tax collector, where back in the Roman culture, tax collectors were kind of uh, legalized thugs. They would shake down the Roman citizens for taxes. And as long as the government would get their share, government would look the other way and not ask whatever more um, had been taken where that went. So the tax collectors would be um, squeezing the people and that is why they were tough. And they were also rich, and they were also hated. And with that, let's read our passage together. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. And a man was there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, but Jesus was going to pass that way. So when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down, was happy to welcome Jesus. But all who saw it began to grumble and said, he's gone to be the guest of one who was a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. And then Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek out and save the lost. And with that, may God bless our hearing, our living of this word of abundant life. So good, better, best. We began this last week. Uh, this is two parts. Today's sec part two. And we began this exploration that, in short, looks at the question and asks the question of, 
At what level do you want to live your life? Right? Good, better, or best. And we started to notice that in this interaction between Zacchaeus and Jesus, where Zacchaeus is this pretty rotten guy because he's a tax collector and he's also a chief tax collector, so he's the, the boss of, of a number of these tough people. At some point, at some point, something happens within Zacchaeus and he realizes he wants to change. He wants the inside of his life to be cleaned up. He wants to feel good. And within this short time frame of this very brief account that we really don't know the time span of it, but there's, there's this whole sequence of events that unfolds, events of a new awareness, inner decisions being made, really, really big commitments being locked in, saying, I'm going to go this way now, and really bold actions that are taking place. And together, all these create a path of radical transformation. And so let's take a closer look as we consider how can we adapt at least some of this pattern to our lives. Let's begin with something that, that uh, I was going to say that I think all of us want. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say something that every one of us would want. And that is wouldn't it be great, wouldn't it be great if we could all receive the kind of change that you want and you could receive it effortlessly with a wave of a hand? Right? <laughs> be nice, right? Jesus says, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your house, your life. And it kind of sounds like, all is well. And I go, wouldn't it be nice to hear those words? You know, Everything is going to be okay. Your work is done. It's all going to be green lights and smooth sailing and calm waters from this moment on. Wouldn't that be nice? I got to be honest, I, I like things easy. <laughs> I don't like to have things be any harder than they have to be. But as we start here, even though that's what we would all want, let's look at what really happened. Okay? Because even though Jesus was there, and even though Zacchaeus went through a radical transformation with Jesus being there, it's good for us to ask, who actually was it who took the initiative and who actually was it that in spite of facing a number of obstacles, external obstacles and internal obstacles, who was it who nevertheless was the real agent of change in this transformation? And this is good news. This is actually great news. Because very few of us will have the luxury of encountering Jesus face to face in the flesh. 
But we all have the opportunity to take the initiative and to overcome external and internal obstacles the way Zacchaeus did. We all have the opportunity to be an agent of our own change. So it's actually fortunate for us that this account here really wasn't a miracle that happened. That Jesus didn't wave his hand and change Zacchaeus. So what happened? And how did this thing happen? So, God bless you. So Zacchaeus wanted a change. There was something in him that made him curious about Jesus. He was curious, he was aware, but he had some obstacles. Internal obstacles. You know, when you live for a while as a powerful person, as he was, as a rich person, as he was, as someone who was in control of his life and in control of many people's lives, as his was, you get used to a certain way of living. You get used to a certain posture, right? And you kind of wonder... From, from this posture, from living in this way, can somebody really change? Can we really change at our age with a history that we have behind us? There's pride, there's ego, there's wealth. There's social clout. And there's a lifetime of habits. He's used to being the one in power, tough guy. Then, in addition, he's got this this additional obstacle of being short. And I say it's an obstacle because for him in his position, you know that if you're short, but you're a person who's tough and in power, you got to be even tougher and exert more power. But in spite of these things, what does he do? He took a risk. He took a risk to look like a fool to look weak, to look like somebody who's supposed to be strong and in control, but what is he doing? He's seeking, and he climbs a tree to get a better view, to get a different perspective than the one that he was used to having. He wanted to get a different perspective, not just of Jesus, but I I think when he climbed that tree, He was looking to get a different perspective on life himself and even on his own life. What am I doing here? Who am I in relation to these other people? What's he doing? Does he have to be stuck being this person that he doesn't want to be anymore? So he wants to change, but change is hard. The easy path for life, as we all know, that's status quo. It's hard to change. It's easy to do the same old, same old. But this is what he shows us, is that, you know, if something's not working, what do you do? Get a different view. Get out of the routine. 
Get out of your own self-talk loops of, well, you know, this is how it is. What can I do? This is how I am. This is who I am. I can't change now. I've been this way for too long. He could have said all those things to himself. But instead, he sought out this different point of view, literally, literally up a tree. So how about us? Are you stuck in a relationship? Bad patterns, old patterns? Are there things that you would like to improve upon in your life? I don't know, your parenting? How things are going with your job, your physical well-being? Are you stuck in a rut? Are you stuck in grief? Stuck in a certain way of thinking about yourself? Are you ready to move forward? Take things to the next step, next chapter. Think of Zacchaeus and what he did. I've, I've shared this quote before because it makes an impact, big impact on my life. Albert Einstein, one of my favorite people, said it takes a different mind to solve a problem than the one it took to create it. Our faith gives us that different point of view. Our faith is that sycamore tree. We climb up, we look around. So Zacchaeus shows us that if we want something to change, we have to do something different, climb a tree. Now, that is one of the more obvious things that I could ever say, right? (laughs) But you know what? It's funny, I know people who've had marriage problems for years, people who've had job problems, people who have relationship problems in general and who've had them for years, they complain about their situation a lot, but they don't do anything different. Don't welcome new information. Don't welcome new information about themselves, having to shift and grow, how to communicate, What does the other person want? New ways of doing things. So do you want an ironclad guarantee that you will remain stuck wherever you are? Don't do anything different. Just keep on defending why your way of looking at life and doing things is right. On the other hand, If you do want change, climb a tree. Seek out new information. You can seek it out through books. You can seek it out through counseling. You can seek it out through consulting others and then actually listening to their point of view without defending or explaining why you're right. This is actually a a spiritual practice called suspended judgment, (laughs) really. You enter into suspended judgment. And you say to yourself, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to argue back. I'm just going to listen. I had a person come to my office one time. Things were not going well with her socially and hadn't for some time. She um, was having some problems with friends. Um, She was now having problems dating. Um, And with work, she had been married, but um, she ended up divorced. And she sat down, she came in, she sat down, she explained all of this. And I, I had seen all this from the outside. And she said, she said, 
I want things to be better in my life. I want to understand why I'm having these problems. And she said, please tell me and promise me that you will be totally honest with me. She said, I really want to know how I come across to other people. I really want to know how do other people see me and what can I do to help my relationships. And then she listened and it was really powerful. It was a little scary on my part because I wasn't, yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> there were problems and, you know, when somebody says that, you never really know. Do they really mean it? How much, how much do they want to know? <laughs> she was ready. It's powerful stuff when you're in a relationship if you are ready to listen. If you're ready to hear a different point of view, you want to go from good to better to best, seek Listen, seek out a different point of view. Don't defend being stuck in the old like Zacchaeus. Be the one to take the initiative. It wasn't Jesus who went chasing after him. He put himself in the path of Jesus and took effort to get there. In order for Zacchaeus next to even get to the tree, First, he had to go against the crowd to even get there, literally, for him. Crowd mentality. Crowd behavior. Following the crowd. That's the thing that's going to drag you down if you want to or need to change. You go, well, all my friends do the same thing. They have the same problems that I do. This is how my political party behaves. I'm on board. This is what people in my profession typically do. So, you know, this is what my golf buddies do. This is where my parents behaved. Is the crowd healthy? <laughs> is the crowd ideally where you want to be, where you want to end up, how you want to end up? I'm not going to get political here, but it's a political thing, but it's a human thing. How many of you, you know, were watching the C-SPAN thing on, the, on the, the coverage of the electing the Speaker of the House? I'm watching this. I don't usually watch this stuff. But this is a human thing. I'm wondering how many of you had the kind of thought that I did not long into it, which is, you know what? I don't want to end up like people on either side. That is not how I want to be. That is not how I want to pattern my life. Any of it. So seek the change, take the initiative, climb a tree, get above the crowd, and pursue not just a different point of view, but a healthy point of view. And sometimes we need to shift friend groups. That can happen. Zacchaeus saw that in Christ. He saw someone with integrity, strength, honesty, someone who was open and free to love completely in relationships. 
someone who was internally free. Those are things that he wanted and said, I want to get there. How do I get there? So in climbing that tree, Zacchaeus risked being the tough bad guy, guy who could handle his own problems, took the risk of change, seeking out help, essentially acknowledging, you know what, I don't have all the answers. That is very freeing. That is very freeing to move from, I don't need any help, to, you know what, I don't have all the answers. Sure, I could use your help. I'm not God, but I know who is. And then putting things into right relationship like that. That's the right relationship. Becoming open to admit this was a big shift. That A, he had done some things wrong. And B, you know what? I need to do something about that. I'm going to do something about that. Making amends is very powerful in life. It feels vulnerable. Boy, does it ever feel vulnerable. But it is powerful. Right? Some things have gone wrong in your life, which they have for all of us at different times. We didn't communicate as ideally as we would have wanted. Hurt some feelings. Do what Zacchaeus did. Admit you're wrong and then make amends. What do I need to do to make this right? You can't have peace. You can't have salvation. That inner oneness. If you ignore what's happened and are still hurting lives. So I'm going to tell you a story. Let's see. We have, it's, it's 11 o'clock. This is short. Um, sorry, impromptu story. But it makes me think of, so when I was an associate minister about 30-some years ago, there was a woman in, uh, in our church who, for a couple of years, had done everything that she could, in a little group, about three people, to undermine my ministry, to try to get me fired, the senior minister fired, spreading rumors, telling lies, unbelievable stuff. And to the point where, you know, it kind of makes me a little paranoid. It's like, is she really doing, I mean, is somebody actually doing this? And this was going on. And, um, and it really, really hurt. One day she said, can I have an appointment? I want to have an appointment with you. And because I was, um, I should have said yes with a whole team of people there, but I, I think I was too naive or something, um, and I didn't. And she came in, and we met. She laid out the whole thing. And she said, I want to come to you to make amends because this is what I've been doing, and it was exactly as I had experienced it. I was telling lies. I was undermining I was doing these things to get you fired. I realized what I've done. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? It was one of the most powerful things I've ever experienced. This person who, I, I've never had like enemies in my life. In that one meeting, went from enemy 
to front. It is powerful stuff. And she remained friend. Jesus says to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your home. The beautiful thing is, this is the exact same thing that he says to every one of us. I want to come to your home. May I come in? May I come into your life? Will you shift some things around so that you could prepare a place for me? That's a big question in your life. Will I really welcome him in, not just a little bit, will I prepare a place for him? And how will that affect my life? When Zacchaeus does this, he realizes immediately he not only wants to invite Christ in, he welcomes this new template for wholeness, kindness, peace that Christ is. Well-being. And now he wants to right some wrongs. Atonement. We talked about that last week. at one meant bringing your soul together with other people as one. Admit your errors, make amends, do what it takes, come clean, make it right. And that is how you accomplish genuine transformation. One of the biggest things that we can do to help a relationship is to admit <laughs> what's my part of the problem here? What am I doing to contribute to the problem? This also works with job problems, financial problems, health problems. Maybe what I've been doing to contribute to the problem is I haven't been getting outside help. And by the way, if this sounds familiar, in 12-step pro programs, 12-step programs have helped and help hundreds of thousands of people. They're really phenomenal. I would suggest for you to go online, look up what are the 12 steps. And I think if you don't know what they are, you'll be blown away. It helps people undergo massive transformation and here's just a few steps, a few of their steps in this regard. Step five, this is going to sound familiar. Admitting the nature of your wrongs. <laughs> Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all of our defects of character. Step seven, humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. And then steps eight and nine, make amends to those you've wronged. Sound familiar? That's when atonement and salvation occurs. And then, sorry, but because things are never that easy, <laughs> there is one more thing. Because was that the end of it with Zacchaeus? 
after he had transformed, made amends, what did the crowd do? Did they cheer him on? Wow, Zacchaeus, that's really, what an amazing transformation. Good for you. We love you. No. They grumbled, saying, Jesus is going to the house of a sinner. That's how they're seeing him. He changed. They didn't embrace it. You know why? Because that's what people do. <laughs> would a reaction like that stop some people? Of course it would. Would it stop? Does it stop most people? I think it does. But the next part says, but you know what Zacchaeus did? He stood his ground. And that's exactly what each one of us has to do. He claimed his change. He put the stake in the ground and he said, you know what, I am doing this. You may not like it, you may not understand it, you may not agree with it, I am doing this. T-shirt that I saw last week, I'll read it for you, and I got it. It's like, I've got to get this. <clears throat> A lot of words with red lines through each line. It's too hard. I'm too old. It's too hot. I'm too late. It's too rainy. I'm too slow. It's too cold. I'm too weak. It's too far. I'm too young. It's too early. Doesn't matter. Let's go. <laughs> right? <laughs> Our faith says, yes, you can. Yes, you can have your history, but not let it have you. Yes, you can become a new person of joy, even if you haven't been. Why? Because that's true. That's our faith. And this is yours. Amen.
I'm singing this hymn. These two lines say it all. Grant us wisdom, grant us courage for the living of our days. May that be so as we go out into our world and as we receive the gift of life one more time, as we receive the gift of our relationships one more time, as we receive the gift of our resources that we can employ to lift up and strengthen for the benefit of others, for the benefit of our own soul. May we go with God's love, with God's power, with God's strength, with God's courage, all of our days, now and forevermore, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.